0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. Today, unfortunately, Rahul and Alex cannot be joining me, but good news is we have Ben back, and Ben, we're going to talk about some transfer updates. How are things with you, sir?
1: Yeah, I'm good. The window is hotting up. Well, it was always really busy from the first day that it opened, but there's a number of deals now at kind of pivotal stages so as teams return to pre-season and start their pre-season tours I think we're going to see a number of different clubs moving to finalize deals that they've
0: been working on since the window started and one of those names that has been in and around Chelsea for the last few weeks now is Raheem Sterling what can you tell us about what's going on there because I think if I'm not mistaken it's almost across the finish line
1: Yeah, I mean, at the time of recording that deal is done as far as club-to-club agreement and Raheem Sterling has had personal terms with Chelsea for a while. So it's really just the case of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, as we say in the UK. I'm sure that's an American phrase as well, but formalities essentially. And then Chelsea will plan an announcement. And I think sometimes when reporters like myself give you the information, fans confuse a agreement with... An announcement, And it's totally up to the club when they <laughs> announce it. The player has to go through various formalities that can range from signing to medical and a club might also delay because they want to gather content with the player before they right. announce it. They can make a bit more of a song and dance about it, all of which can add time. And I think Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal was a good example of that. I said there was a verbal fee. I said there was an agreement and then fans are saying, hey, where's the announcement? But just because it's done... From the perspective of the club knowing it's done or briefing a journalist it's done, that doesn't then mean that it's going to be announced at exactly the same time. So still possibly some patience with this one as to when Chelsea actually make it official. But as far as I'm aware, Raheem Sterling will join Chelsea. It is a case of when, not if. And the fee will be very similar to Gabriel Jesus, around about £45 plus add-ons, which was always my understanding. I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, that Arsenal wanted around about 90 million. So trying to convert it roughly off the top of my head into dollars, $115 million, something like that. I'm sure I'll be corrected by Google Translate. But that was what (laughs) City were looking for in terms of an all-in guaranteed base fee. And that's good business for Manchester City from those two players, Sterling and Jesus. And from Chelsea's perspective, they get an exciting talent at a... P. Cage, who's a proven Premier League goal scorer and will also, I think, be a really good dressing room influence as well. So it's a move that makes a lot of sense. And unless anything between now and when this goes out dramatically changes in terms of a late swoop, Sterling is fully expected to be the first signing of the Clear late Bowley era.
0: Absolutely. And I think for Chelsea fans, I I appreciate you explaining the differences between what's going on in the background. I think Chelsea fans are just excited because the summer tour is coming. We in the US would like to see him when he's out here to play for Chelsea, but uh, good to understand the differences between maybe what's going on in the background and the scenes there. So hopefully we get to see him soon in a Chelsea shirt, but We've been going and looking through all of you know the, the transfer market news and all that. Another name with Manchester City and Chelsea is Nathan Akey. Anything happening there? He used to be an old Chelsea boy as well.
1: Yeah, I think that the agreement is in place between Ake and Chelsea so the player himself is quite prepared to return back to Stamford Bridge but the challenge is in the finesse of negotiation Mm -hmm. specifically between Chelsea and Manchester City and as I understand it even though within meetings there is overlap of conversation between Ake and Sterling there's been no ability like perhaps when you do your shopping to get a two (laughs) for one or any kind of jewel swoop that knocks any of the price off Ake. So Manchester City right. have been very clear that due to other interest and their estimation of Ake, Sterling is one deal, Ake is another. Chelsea may well end up getting both. That's certainly the plan. But Sterling is done and pending an announcement and formalities. And Ake, there's still not actually been a formal bid. And it'll be really interesting to see whether or not Chelsea are either prepared to pay what some would consider to be above market value or can negotiate Manchester City down a little bit. I think the good news is that City have got other targets in that area should Ake leave, but they are also prepared to keep the player. So now there's going to have to be some advanced negotiation and still a formal offer. Chelsea probably came into this thinking 35 to 40 million English pounds was the range, and I think that Manchester City might try and hold out for 45 to even up to 50. And given that potentially, when they first started talking about Ake, there was a 10 million difference, it will be a test of, first of all, whether Chelsea see Ake as. A realistic priority above, let's say, Kunde and Delete, and whether they're prepared to pay up to, let's say, 50 million right. at the top end, and then still feel that there's financial value in that given that they have to bring in six or seven players. And this has been the challenge with everything that Chelsea have done in the market, that due to the outgoings and what they want to spend this window, even though you don't always give absolutely everything up front and some parts of the fees are add-ons and not always a hundred percent guaranteed, you've still got to find six or seven potentially at a top end of targets that can do a job within a squad or even be star players in the case of marquee signings like Raheem Starling and stay roughly, I would say, within the 200 to 250 million bracket. So then suddenly you start weighing up. Well, is that extra 10 million for Ake worth it? Comparative to finding another player that then allows us to pay the money for, let's just say, hypothetically, a delete. And I don't think fans ever do the big picture maths because you look at each target and you say well why are we not just paying the extra five million Arsenal fans asked me the same thing about Yuri Tielemans and they say why don't we just pay the 25 or 30 million and it might be that Leicester are playing hardball in that deal and beyond a certain point you're just not prepared to add that extra four or five million because there's a more market value target or your overall maths doesn't add up And we all in our heads, and journalists are guilty of this as well, do it in Championship Manager and say, well, come on, it's 40 million, they want 45 million, what's the difference? It's 5 million quid, and that 5 million still has to go on your books, it still has to be offset against other targets. So this is something to bear in mind as to why clubs delay or revisit a target later in the window when their broader financial picture comparative to other incomings and outcomings becomes clear. But with Ake... I think it's a very realistic possibility. Chelsea have had no problem selling the move to Ake. It's all just about getting in a formal bid to Manchester City. There's been advanced talks now, so they're not going to be as far apart as when conversations first started. But it all just depends on at what point City are prepared to come down and compromise versus how bullish they're prepared to be because unlike Raheem Sterling they really are prepared to keep Ake whereas with Sterling it's not that City wanted to let Sterling go per se because they did make a kind of move to see if there was any possibility of keeping him but with Sterling it was all about If he makes up his mind to leave, then City were prepared to negotiate based on being prepared to lose him. So there was actually a respect on both Chelsea and Manchester City's side to let Raheem Sterling decide. And both clubs then negotiated being very prepared to go with whatever Sterling's decision was, despite some late conversations, I might add from Manchester City, just to see if there was any leeway. But Sterling had made up his mind because of the conversations that he'd had with both Bowley and Thomas Tucker. Whereas with Ake, I think that City are basically looking for above-market value right. before they're prepared to sell. Otherwise, they'll just factor him into their pre-season plan.
0: And he's a good talent, an English talent, still young enough to do a good job. And and I want to move on to uh, Matthias De Litt here in just a second. But I want to come back to a statement you made, which I think is very important. Championship manager, FIFA, whatever we as fans play, it's five million difference, not five quid. There's a huge difference between putting out five million, and five quid. And us playing a game online, we don't necessarily understand the differences in the finances. And so I'm glad you mentioned that because it is five million pounds and not five quid. But let's talk about Dilip for a second here. You mentioned him in links with, with Nathan Aki and maybe Chelsea spend their money there, not there. Aki may have had some of the personal terms-ish agreed. What's it looking like with Dilit?
1: Well, I think there's been an open race all week. And at the time of recording, there's conflicting information out there being given by all sides. So Dilip, is open to the Chelsea move and Bayern Munich. Premier League is of huge appeal. And in Germany, there are strong indications that they think they are ahead in the race and that Juventus want to do a deal with Bayern Munich. But Chelsea sources, as you would expect, because you never fully rule out a player, are still saying that they're at the table. And you're going to hear this a lot in deals, particularly when it involves a Spanish or an Italian club up against a Premier League club, that the Premier League clubs have their force in offering a more preferential structure. And that's the case, again, with Chelsea, that they will pay more up front. They may well end up making an offer that's a higher base fee, whereas Juventus is sort of now in a position where, because they've got two bidders, even if they wanted to do business with Bayern Munich, either because they think that's where the player wants to go or who knows maybe as has been reported in Germany there's an option from Bayern Munich to come the other way there's still going to be financial sense in keeping Chelsea at the table not only because then you get a bidding war and the price is slowly rising higher and higher but if they end up doing a deal with Chelsea they'll get more in all likelihood money up front from the Chelsea perspective. Chelsea seemingly have moved away from any kind of swap deal at this point so Mm looks like a straight cash offer on the table and i think that it still is an open race and actually and ironically the indication of that is manchester united supposedly making contact and i haven't had time today to stand that up but if those reports are correct then you can't have two things an invitation of suitors and talks whilst at the same time allegedly prioritisation is being given to Bayern Munich because a club like a Juventus who want the money and have privately accepted that they probably are going to have to sell the player are not going to waste their time taking meetings with Manchester United if at the same time there's some kind of exclusive negotiation with Bayern Munich and I think that that is a clear indication that the race is probably still open. The challenge for all clubs is agreeing a deal with Juventus rather than the player and right. I think that again tells you that Delit, a little bit like Rafinha I suppose, even if he has a preference is still very much open to Chelsea and very intrigued by the Premier League and I think it will take very well to the Premier League as well but it's all about coming to a final agreement with Juventus after quite advanced talks with all clubs, at least verbally speaking anyway and I think that the base offer is probably going to have to be at least 70 million at this Mm -hmm. point in English. And that's maybe five or 7 million. And from their starting point, probably closer to 10 million higher than Chelsea came to the table with. And I was always told that the straight cash deal would only be possible at a certain price or Chelsea would only continue interest for a straight cash deal uh, if the guaranteed fee was low enough. And as soon as it became, let's say, in English pounds, 80 or 85, which is closer to the release clause, Chelsea would walk away. And we're creeping towards that without quite being there yet. But the feeling is now that it's a minimum of 70. Juventus maybe suddenly think they can get 75. And I don't know if it will be 80 in terms of a fee. But you know, 70 plus add ons is still quite high, even though the player's 22. So I think Chelsea are just weighing this up, they're trying to also work out their place comparative to other suitors. Uh, but they're firmly in the race. And you know, the last update I got on this is it's an open race, and it's not true that you know it's only exclusively a negotiation with Bayern Munich uh, but the, that is the German perspective you know for balance that the German reports think they're winning the race uh, Chelsea are sort of just intimating that he is um, one of the key key targets uh, right. defensively and uh, obviously from Manchester United's point of view um, they're nowhere near as advanced and um That's happened in the last 24 hours. So as I said before, that's other reports saying that they'll enter the race. I don't think Manchester United can either afford him or would win that race in any way, shape or form, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. And I also don't see too much logic in it, if I'm perfectly honest, from a Manchester United point of view, because they need to strengthen in uh, other areas, really, first and foremost, And if they're going to bring in Lissandro Martinez and if they've already got Malassia, then I don't see them finding this volume of money to get a deal done. Not if it's a straight cash deal, given that they're probably going to have to um, bring in a a winger still potentially. And that might be somebody like an Anthony. And if CR7 leaves, they're not going to get a ton of money back financially and they're also going to have to find then a flagship striker as well right. so i, I do not see a realistic possibility it's only my personal opinion where manchester right. united enter the race or influence the race even for delete but those are the reports that's out there like i say uh, journalists are not able to confirm everything on every transfer and every story <laughs> um so i hold my hands up i've not been to manchester united yet specifically on delete i've been focusing on things like ronaldo and Rafinha but i don't think they'll influence the race um, and, you know, Chelsea are still there. Uh, Bayern seemingly are increasingly confident. So it's just a case of monitoring it. And we will probably get more clarity over the coming days.
0: Yep. And I think from a Chelsea fan's perspective, what's looking like the delit transfer saga maybe dragging out or in, in the case of Kunde, which has been going on since January, they're looking to get their marquee defender in. So they can have a full preseason, settle in and then get, you know, hit the ground running for the Premier League season. I think that's where it's getting some Chelsea fans some nerves. But like you've you've alluded to, a lot of this stuff takes a lot of time, other bidding wars and things like that. But we've come from England. We've gone to Italy. We've talked about Germany. I want to talk about Spain a little bit because there's a video floating around of Todd Boley in Barcelona, possibly having some communication with them. I think it's more around Alonso and Azpilicueta because you and I have talked about that as well. Uh, what can you tell us about those two people as well as if there's any incomings from Barcelona towards Chelsea?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's too much at this stage in the Dion to Chelsea, even though that kind of has taken off over the last 24 yeah. hours. And you're going to get that when you see the Chelsea... <laughs> senior executives, remember Ageg Bali was there as well, meeting with Barcelona, mm-hmm. there'll be a whole frenzy, but Boli didn't give anything away. He just said that he had a nice meal. My understanding is that that was a mixture of an introduction and Boli did this with Mendes as well to put his name out there and try and forge relationships and people perhaps think that a club like Barcelona and Chelsea are fighting for targets like Rafinha but usually the senior executives especially cross-country and cross-league have very cordial relationships and it's extremely important that Boli builds a network quickly and somebody like uh, Laporta can be as much an ally as a foe and professional relationships regardless of who goes for what who sells to who who hijacks what deal that core professional relationship between boley and other executives at big champions league clubs for example is going to be really really important and therefore a meal like he had is going to be very useful on a personal and professional level for Todd Bowley. Regarding Azpilicueta, who has come up in meetings between Chelsea and Barcelona, I think it is very likely that he'll end up at Barcelona and Mm. that one is progressing. And Alonso wants the move there too. So Barca have always intimated that they're very confident of those two players and that Jules Koundé is still on the table as well. And I think that Chelsea have been very respectful of Aspilicueta and his wishes because Aspilicueta himself has been extremely patient and he's making sure if he does leave, it's on the right terms at Chelsea Football Club and that... Is important. So ideally, Chelsea, knowing they're thin defensively, would like to try and persuade Aspalocqueta to stay. But I say that very generally. I'm not saying that Chelsea are actively trying to do that. I'm not saying that Chelsea are hopeful in any way. But Chelsea have done their part to listen to Aspalocqueta and assess the situation because he's been such a loyal servant to the football club and having had those conversations historically they have come to the realisation that he still would like to leave if at all possible, and that's now looking more and more likely that both of those players, but certainly Azpilicueta first and foremost, will end up at Barcelona. So I don't see Azpilicueta staying, unfortunately. However, if anything falls through or if anything changes, the whole point with Azpilicueta is that he's given Chelsea full professionalism to the point where if... He does end up through any unlikely eventuality still at Chelsea. There'll be no friction. There'll be no acrimony. And it's that professionalism, I think, that can almost earn you a move in the same way that Rafinha returning to training at Leeds has helped escalate the situation as well. Because when you see a player not forcing their way out in the same way that seemingly Cristiano Ronaldo Uh is trying to do, the selling club respect that and they give value to that, and they do everything within their power to try and get you the move that you want within reason because they respect the fact that the player continues to just do their job. And I think that that is testament to the character of Asper and seemingly Rafinha as well, that until somebody tells them otherwise, having laid out their position, they are footballers for the clubs they are currently at, and they'll get on with their business in their pre-season, whereas, say, in Ronaldo's case... The challenge is that by not turning up to training for whatever reason, and we obviously have to be careful because family reasons is a very broad term right. and we are making a connection that it's being done as leverage to help facilitate a move. And yet, obviously, Ronaldo's had a difficult few months and he has lost a newborn child, so we do have to be very careful about jumping to conclusions before any full clarity is given. But from the outside in, there does appear to be that link between Ronaldo not being there and possible offers on the table. But all that does is overshadows an entire pre-season And causes speculation and uncertainty and will affect the beginning to Ten Hag's era at Manchester United, whereas Rafinha, back at training, getting on with it. Aspilaquetta, still part of the Chelsea setup until someone tells him otherwise. And that quiet professionalism is undervalued in football, but very much appreciated by the, in all likelihood, selling clubs of Leeds United and Chelsea in those two cases.
0: Yeah, and honestly, the fans as well, Ben. I think for us, Aspilicueta has been with us for over a decade and professionalism is probably the best way to define him. Of course, he's a fantastic footballer as well. And so whether he goes or stays, I think Chelsea fans will love him nonetheless. He's won everything with us. And with respect to Rafinha, I think that's another interesting one to talk about because we've seen young players that are explosive, such as him, Uh, you've mentioned, maybe cause a little bit of ruckus, try and get out of their club. He's being very, very professional you've alluded to the fact that he doesn't have a, well, not that he doesn't have a preference. He would prefer to go to Barcelona, but he'd be happy to come to Chelsea. Do you know how far along that is? Do you know what the the selling fee? I mean, Leeds have agreed with Chelsea. I think at selling price. Do you know where all of this is with Rafinha right now?
1: I mean, it could easily change by the time this goes out. (laughs) The time of recording on a Friday morning in the U.S., Rafinha has had a conversation with Jesse Marsh, and it's been made clear that his wish is to go, and quickly, and you can understand why in a World Cup year, and because Luis Sinister has come in, who mm. effectively is a replacement for Rafinha. So the last thing Leeds want, or Rafinha wants, is for this to drag on. So I don't think it's true. And I've always had it denied from a number of sources that there was ever a possibility of a deal being agreed for January and then Rafinha just staying at Leeds until then. That's not something the player wants. That's not something Leeds United want. And it's probably not something that Barcelona want. So it's all about whether Leeds accept a Barcelona offer that, loosely speaking, matches the one that has been tabled and accepted by Chelsea. And if it falls through in this, I don't want to quite say final, but advanced round of negotiations, some in Spain are saying final offer. But if you get close and then have to go back, it's never really as acrimonious and bullish as sorry, we're rejecting your final offer. Don't come back to us. We don't want to negotiate with you. That's counterproductive to a window. So sometimes you hear final offer, but it isn't. But generally, it needs to be close to a final offer at this stage of the negotiation for Leeds United not to lose full patience. So a deadline was set. Barcelona have come back with an offer. Their base fee is lower than Chelsea's, but their overall package is relatively like for like now. And it's going to be interesting to see what leads do. They're either going to come back and ask for a little bit more up front, especially if the instalments are to be staggered. Or they will accept the deal because they know that this is the move that Rafinha wants. And if they accept the deal, Rafinha will go to Barcelona. If they reject the deal and Barcelona don't make any improvements, then the door's widely open to Chelsea. Yeah. And that's why the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be really, really key. It's not true that Rafinha doesn't want to play for Chelsea. He just has a dream of moving to Barcelona. Sure. But if that yeah. dream isn't a reality, he'll join Chelsea over staying at Leeds and he'll take Champions League football and the best part of a 45k pay rise. So the next 24 to 48 hours are going to be key. To reiterate, Barcelona sources are saying, as they have done all along, that a deal is very close Mm -hmm. and that they believe they'll sign the player. With Chelsea, they've not taken that offer off the table. They know that the financials of the personal terms and the five-year deal would be accepted by Rafinha if the Barcelona deal falls through. So it's just a case of Chelsea monitoring it for now. They've done everything they can. They've been fast and bullish in their negotiations to try and force the issue And now they're just going to have to wait and see what the conclusion is of the talks between Barcelona and Leeds United before knowing what the next step is. I would say at this point, it's more likely that Rafinha does go to Barcelona. That's just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But I certainly wouldn't shut the door on Chelsea simply because their offer is more preferable to Leeds United, even though financially speaking, Barcelona have now been able to loosely speaking match it and the reason why i say loosely speaking is because if you add up all the permutations then they've matched it but obviously chelsea's is more money up front it's a higher base fee whereas barcelona's is more add-on heavy and the guaranteed fee would be paid in more installments so if you lead united you still would rather if you're only judging it financially accept chelsea's offer but that again is all about why professionalism of players is important because leeds are looking at how they can help Rafinha realize his dream, but without, you know, getting themselves in a position where financially they don't take a deal that makes business sense to their football club. And that's part of the finesse of the next 24, 48 hours of negotiations because Leeds aren't just going to accept something for the sake of it. But what Leeds will do is accept something that gets close enough to Chelsea's offer and matches it in terms of value with add-ons if it makes business sense to them because they do know where Rafinha would in an ideal world like to go. So Mm -hmm. Chelsea are a bit powerless at this point, but they've done everything they possibly can to try and get it over the line. And now they're just going to have to wait and see what happens over the course of the coming days.
0: Yeah and, and from a fan perspective and I'm sure not all fans share my opinion Ben but it's difficult as a Chelsea fan to you know offer Rafinha seemingly what he would like and then see him drag out for his dream move almost like where the backup and I understand that it's business at the end of the day and things have to happen but as a Chelsea fan maybe we should be moving on looking at other places but I, I want to ask you something outside of just the transfers. We've all heard about the financial issues that Barcelona have had, but they are seemingly finding a way to make offers and try and bring in players. How are they able to stomach all of these financial changes that they're putting onto the market here?
1: Well, I think they have had some investment coming in and they believe they're going to get more investment also over perhaps the course of the next few weeks. So that's one thing to kind of stress that, know capital has come into the club and as soon as they got that sixth street capital as part of a tv rights deal in the us from there they moved quickly on a number of different areas so i don't think that it's perhaps true that they're as handcuffed as they were maybe a few weeks back but They've got such a high volume of incomings and such a high wage bill, and they're billions in debt or a billion in debt. So that is a factor. And the way that they can get around that is in a number of different avenues, really. First of all, it's just income coming in and that might be where, for example, De Jong gives them a little bit more leeway. Second possibility is just continuing to do these type of TV style deals that can bring them in a couple of hundred million. Third way is reducing the wage bill and that will allow them a little bit more leeway. And for example, Dembele Fe signs will take a pay cut. They want De Jong to take a pay cut as well. So there is another way of recouping a little bit of information, a little bit of uh, financials as well from the existing wage bill. And then the COVID adjusted figures under financial fair play are another way of kind of offsetting more losses than you'd normally be able to do. So that's kind of some of their options. And then once they strike a deal, they will try and delay the payments so they can offset various installments into different financial years. And then the upfront is less. So then on their books at the moment or in terms of the liquid capital available to them, they won't have to find as much money or list as much money. And all of these are sort of creative loopholes, I suppose, um, or, you know, I would call it just creative um, financial accounting that perhaps allow them to bring in more but not spend all that money or list all that money in one lump sum. So it, it's really a mixture of reducing their wage bill. And then at the same time as reducing their wage bill, they have to uh, bring in more income, which they've done through the TV deal and they might do from De Jong, And then at the same time, try and negotiate in a way where they're not forced to pay mm. a ton of money up front. And uh, they've done that quite well in fairness, considering the level of debt that is at their uh, disposal and how handcuffed they've been in being able to register players and how high their wage bill is, to still be even in the conversation for Lewandowski and Rafinha and Kunde and uh, Dembele, it is quite incredible, really. Uh, They always find a way and perhaps only they really know how, uh, but from the outside in and from talking to sources, those are some of the tactics that uh, they're probably using to try and offset their debt and um, actually move in the market.
0: Yeah, I think impressive is a good word because we've all heard of their financial struggles and for them to be on the market, offering the sums that we're hearing, it's they're finding a way and they're making it happen. Coming back to Chelsea and outgoings, we've talked a little bit about Al- Alonso and Aspilicueta. One more name that keeps getting thrown out there is Hakim Ziyech. I believe that he's being linked with AC Milan. Do you know if that's going to progress? Do you know if the player is unhappy? Do you know the fee that's being pushed around to get him out of the club. What's going on there?
1: Yeah, Ziyech to Milan is a move that the player wants and Mm -hmm. has been pushing for. So it's looking more and more likely for sure. You never can quite tell with Milan because as we saw with Sven Botman, who eventually went to Newcastle, they fought long and hard in that battle and they gave very positive indications only to find that they couldn't strike a deal. But with Ziyech, I think that it is looking more and more likely for sure. And Chelsea and Milan uh, are still in talks, certainly at the time of recording. We know that Ziyech wants to join the Italian champions and we know that Chelsea are open to letting him leave. Mm-hmm. The issue for Chelsea is obviously the fact that whatever they sell him for they're going to lose a ton of money uh, because they paid 36 million I think so that's about 50 million dollars for Zia back in 2020 and he he just hasn't been able to hit the ground running has he uh, Chelsea and it would suit all parties to get rid of him or sell him Uh, get rid is a little bit of a harsh way of putting it but um, it's all just a case of striking a deal now like I say talks continue and the final fee I'm hearing a range of different figures really uh, still none of which like I say are anywhere close to uh, the actual amount that Chelsea paid um, but I, I think that realistically it's probably going to level off money-wise Um a lot, lot less than that $50 million uh, that have been quoted for ZEIC. um And AC Milan, unfortunately, from Chelsea's point of view, therefore might get a, a bargain. Um, and he'll probably end up doing quite well at Milan, um, yep. in my opinion, as well. And that's the sort of sad thing that, you know, everything about ZEIC, um should um, point towards... Um, him having attributes to succeed. Um, And now suddenly, you know, you not only have to sell him, but for a fee of, I don't know, 20 to 25 million euros, something in that ballpark, uh, maybe 30 at best from Chelsea's point of view. So that totals something like a 10 million loss from what you paid. And then you might end up seeing him totally succeed in Serie A and um, even come back to haunt Chelsea in the Champions (laughs) League. Um, But this is just the reality of certain players don't settle in the dressing room, they don't settle in the lifestyle, they don't settle in the culture, they don't settle under the manager, they don't settle in the system. And I think Chelsea just have to cut their losses, now they've got a willing (laughs) suitor, and um, I think Ziyech to AC Milan um, will end up being a done deal. There's been other interest in him, I mean, I I said before Leeds um, looked at Sinistera that they um, had potentially Ziyech on their radar Mm. as well. And that's very telling because not only, by the way, do I think Ziyech wouldn't go up to Leeds, but when clubs inquire about a player of that calibre, they learn very quickly whether a move is or isn't realistic. And it's not only about Ziyech wanting, say, Champions League football, it's about what's right personally for the player and I do think that there's been some Premier League interest in Ziyech, although nothing advanced, but there's been some inquiries. And each inquiry that's come in, it's the same story that I think he just wants out of not just Chelsea, but the Premier League. And that's why I think that it is a matter, only a matter of time before Ziyech ends up joining AC Milan.
0: Yeah, And I think it makes sense as much as a Chelsea fan, we want to make sure we keep top talent. I think with Sterling coming in and Hakim Ziyech going out, it almost balances the team a little bit to have the right amount of players for... That forward line that Chelsea have. Uh, One more man I want to talk about. And you've mentioned him quite a bit, Ben, and we'll be respectful about everything that's going on with him. But CR7, whether or not he's pushing his way out, are there any offers on the table? Any potential places that he could end up going should this come out to be true?
1: Yeah, the Ronaldo situation is very intriguing. We know that he's not going to be on United's pre-season tour. We know Mm -hmm. that Boley met with Mendes and discussed Ronaldo along with a range of other players. Bayern Munich say they're not interested. That may change as or when and when being more likely. Lewandowski finally ends up at Barcelona. PSG are not interested and Napoli are. But can they get a deal Mm -hmm inclusive of his wages or is CR7 at the age of 37 to play in the Champions League prepared to take a mm-hmm. pay cut and that's the sort of irony of the negotiations that if you've got Chelsea in the conversation and you've got Napoli in the conversation it'd be very difficult for Napoli to get Ronaldo to take a wage cut because Mendes would be pushing for full whack at Chelsea and you can't sort of negotiate with that dual approach because if Chelsea ever got wind that Napoli might get him a cut wage then Chelsea are going to say well that's what we want as well and I think whoever gets Ronaldo might have a bit of leverage here which is a strange thing to say for a Ronaldo deal but there's not actually that much concrete interest in him and with Manchester United's stance officially even if it's to be taken with a slight pinch of salt being that Ronaldo is not for sale he doesn't have that many options in how he negotiates right now if He only wants Champions League football. And if he reneges on that and says, well, I might consider a move to Roma and Jose Mourinho, for example, then Manchester United are just going to turn around and say, well, hang on a minute. You're not for sale if actually your logic here is you just want out rather than you want to compete to try and win the biggest trophy in football of them all at domestic level, the Champions League. Because Manchester United have got... Europa League football, much like Roma. So it's a really intriguing dynamic at the moment. Privately, Manchester United accept, I think, that Ronaldo will leave if a satisfactory offer comes in. Publicly, they'll continue to say not for sale. And then with Chelsea, despite reports of a £14 million bid being prepared, and that might have come from an agent, that might have come from a Chelsea source to test the water on what the price might be. My sources at Chelsea still say there's no indication yet that any decisions have been made and that it's far more likely that Thomas Tuchel is going to take the early part of pre-season to assess what he's got. Mm -hmm. And then a serious conversation will be made as to whether Ronaldo might be a fit in both the dressing room and the system. So Ronaldo might want this rushed, but I don't see Chelsea rushing this because they don't have to, because there's just not any high volume of other suitors that have actively entered the race. So Chelsea would be sensible to take their time and then come to a final decision. They're not ruling it out, but sources are saying with Ronaldo at Chelsea that they're also not prioritising at this stage Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. And like I say, they, they don't have to because there's no pressure to from either Manchester United who are saying not for sale or any other suitors who are not in an advanced position as yet. That could change pretty quickly, but at the moment, Chelsea, if they wanted Ronaldo, could very much negotiate on their own terms. And Napoli haven't done anything more substantial than expressed an interest at the time of recording. So then the big question is really, does Tuchel want Ronaldo? And if Chelsea's ownership group are true to their word and Tuchel says no, then Cristiano Ronaldo will not move to Chelsea because the indication from the ownership group is that Tuchel will take the final say. And it'll actually be quite interesting for me if Cristiano Ronaldo just doesn't join Chelsea because then that's evidence with other transfers and in the bigger picture that Tuchel does in fact at the moment have all of the control and power, which might, even to a Ronaldo fan that also supports Chelsea, be quite reassuring because that's the only way we're going to know 100% if Tuchel has all of the power. Mm -hmm. Whereas if Ronaldo did join Chelsea, of course the PR will be... Tuchel wanted him it's Tuchel's decision it's good for the football club it's good for the brand but I do think if Ronaldo joins Chelsea part of that will be a flex by the new owners to convince Thomas Tuchel and it will be led by Clear Lake Capital and Todd Bowley and we'll never know because the football club's not going to turn around and say he's great for the brand but (laughs) Tuchel wasn't really sure we're always going to hear it a unity and every football club does that but obviously if he doesn't join we'll know categorically that Tuchel has said no and then the ownership group have respected that. So, it, there's no clarity yet at this point. There's no formal offer that has actually been made at the time of recording. There's no indication yet that Thomas Tuchel has been persuaded either. Uh, but Chelsea are not ruling it out, mm-hmm. and Ronaldo doesn't have too many options at this point. So, it, it's a very messy narrative, and it's one that, if it's not resolved quickly, will overshadow Manchester United's pre-season and the start of the Ten Hag era. And Even though Ronaldo's been used on the kit launch, and even though Manchester United's stance is not for sale, Ronaldo's not come out and said, contrary to the rumours... I'm staying. And if Manchester United are genuine about not letting him leave and are using him on the kit launch and they think that he's going to join up with the team after taking some family time, at some point early in the window, if that is the final decision by Manchester United, they will want Ronaldo to come out and say that he's staying to put this behind them. But this is also not just a battle between, say, Tuchel and the owners at Chelsea. This is also a power dynamic between Ronaldo and Manchester United. And if Manchester United thinks that they can keep Ronaldo, come what may, if they're genuine and not for sale, they'll want Ronaldo to clarify his future early. But if Ronaldo thinks that he's got all the say, and it doesn't matter what man you think, if Ronaldo just continues to not turn up, Then he'll get his move away. And as soon as he gets a concrete offer, Manchester United will cave, then he'll just proceed to not be a part of anything. And then it puts Manchester United in a very awkward position, regardless of what happens. So that's the situation. We're no clearer to knowing in what direction this is heading. But to reiterate, there is still no firm indication yet that Thomas Tuchel has given a green light to the ownership group to go out there and formalise an offer. That could happen, pending further conversations, but there's no indication yet, which means from Ronaldo's point of view, he's still no clearer to knowing who actually wants him out of the viable Champions League clubs. I would say PSG at the moment is a definite no. I would say Real Madrid return is a definite no. I would say Barcelona is a definite (laughs) no if they get Lewandowski and it would be a highly sensational move if obviously he goes from Ronaldo to Real, but we have seen it happen before. I would say Napoli is a yes, they want him, but they need to get their financials in place. I would say Roma is a no if Ronaldo's desire to play Champions League football is a deal-breaker. I would say Bayern is a very tentative no, but their interest is genuine in monitoring the situation, and then after Lewandowski, ask them again if they want Ronaldo, and then see what Happens, and I would say that Chelsea don't want to say it to no yet, but no is still more likely than yes. Right. But let, let's let Thomas Tuchel talk directly to his owner in America, and then see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, so it's shaping up to be a very, very exciting transfer window, especially in the next few weeks. Here, I know you have a hard stop in the next ten minutes or so, Ben. So I'm I'm ready to wrap up, but before we do. Any parting words for your club, Leicester? I know Yuri Tillemans is on the brink, five, six million apart. But any incomings to Leicester? Any more outgoings? What are your thoughts and hopes for their transfer season so far?
1: Yeah, Leicester were hoping for Benjamin Beauregard. Still in the mix there, as far as I'm aware. And they might yet even enter the race for Brogia, although nothing advanced. I don't want to overly sensationalize the interest. It's everton that have probably come in as the latest club and then West Ham and Newcastle are the two battling for that. Uh, Leicester with Tielemans are still expecting him to leave and Arsenal, Manchester United, Newcastle, all kind of circling at different levels of uh, advancement at this point. If Tielemans wants to uh, move imminently and Manchester United and Newcastle were the clubs to offer and Arsenal don't, then it might be quite an open race. But if Arsenal end up putting a bid down, and then uh, Tielemans will pick Arsenal over any other suitors. So he's probably the outgoing, uh, that is the most likely. Uh, Madison, uh, people are looking mm-hmm. at, but Leicester would like to keep him. And uh, for Farner, I don't think will go anywhere, not for an astronomical offer. So that's kind of the state of play with Leicester at the moment.
0: Great. So hopefully some things happen for Leicester here and they can continue to challenge in the Premier League. But that wraps it up, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Ben, thank you so much for updates as always. Uh, please follow us on the Premier Chelsea. We'll tag Ben in all of the social media so you can go follow his pages as well. But thanks, guys. Appreciate it and take care. See you next time. Up the Chelsea. Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code, TPCOFFEE15, to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.